Welcome to the Make Meaning Podcast. I'm Lynn Galadner, author of eight books, founder of the Your People Marketing and PR Agency, and founder of the Make Meaning Movement, a platform that helps purpose-driven leaders just like you do business with meaning. I've dedicated my life to sharing stories of how people make meaning in their work and find purpose in their lives. This podcast highlights how people find meaning at work, how they market in meaningful ways, and how we build brands driven by purpose with plenty of stories to inspire you. There are many ways to fill your life with meaning. Join us at makemeaning.org where you can improve your brand awareness and generate more customer traffic with our unique approach to marketing. You can also amplify your purpose and connect with others through our programs and workshops to live your best life. Now, join me for the next installment of the Make Meaning Podcast. Today's guest on the Make Meaning Podcast is Deanna Singh, founder of the Flying Elephant Foundation and author of The Purposeful Hustle, as well as two children's books. She's done a TED Talk called We All Have the Power to Build Bridges. With a bachelor's degree from Fordham University, a law degree from Georgetown, and an MBA from the University of Wisconsin, Deanna has built a career focused on shifting power to marginalized communities and giving opportunities where before there were few. Deanna, welcome to the Make Meaning Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad to be here. Me too. It's such an honor to speak with you. I've been following you and I just admire all the work that you're doing and the way that you're giving a voice to people whose voices have not been heard. So this is really important work. Um, Why don't we start with your TED Talk? I just loved the stories that I uh, heard you say in the TED Talk about your family. And um, so I wonder if you might share with our listeners some details. I know you come from both an African-American and a Sikh background And I'd love to hear about how some of the customs and uh, beliefs and communities shaped you. Absolutely. Well, I always tell people that my upbringing and, you know, the family that I was born into is just such a huge blessing to me. I mean, I love them, you know, and for all the reasons that you would assume, but also because I did get the opportunity to really be in the intersection of East and West. So my mom is from this, you know, her family's from this small, uh, city in McGee, called McGee, Mississippi. Uh-huh. And they ended up in Milwaukee because they were, my grandfather followed the work on the railroad until it ended. Mm-hmm. And my dad is actually an immigrant from a very small village in Punjab, India, mm-hmm. a village called Gil, close to a city called Louisiana. Mm-hmm. And so they got married after just three months oh. of knowing each other. And my dad uh, didn't really speak very much English. And so at the <laughs> time it was kind of cool because when I was born, um, I ended up being very much the bridge builder in our home, right? Oh. I was the one who had command of all of the languages and got a chance to, you know, share what was going on and why people were doing different things. And we almost always had about 30 people living in our three bedroom house. And so wow. it made for a lot of opportunity to practice that. Bridge building. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I also just learned how much love can happen and how much just wonderful, you know, how, how many wonderful things can happen when there really is this like embracing of other people. Um, uh-huh. And I got to see that front hand, you know, right, right up front from my life. That's amazing. So when you say 30 people living in this three bedroom house, tell me, who are we talking about? That's amazing. Yeah. You know, so my parents were really adamant that they wanted to make sure they could help people as they were transitioning um, into, most of them were immigrants. So coming into the country. And so some of them were family members, right? Aunts and uncles and grandparents. And 
but there was a lot of people who were just, you know, people that my father had met or uh, that, you know, had some other connections to us somehow (laughs) or another. And, um, you know, if you knocked on our door, that was the right door to knock on because you would, people would stay with us sometimes for, you know, a couple days or a couple of weeks and sometimes for a couple of years and uh, (laughs) nobody was turned away. It was just, that's just the way that we operated. We always operated with this idea of abundance, that there was always going to be enough. We just needed to figure out how to make that happen. That's amazing. That's really cool. What a message of generosity and community to grow up with. It just, it must have shaped you in a really profound way. Absolutely. I mean, you know, in Sikhism, there's this uh, term and it's very, very dear and, and really critical component of the of the culture and the religion. And it's this idea of seva, right? Uh-huh. This idea, and it means service. So this yes. idea of being able to provide service to others is, I think, it's just part of like who we are as people. And so to be able to live that and breathe that and see that, especially as a child, was incredibly impressionable on me. You know, it's funny. I went with a client a number of years ago to Amritsar to the Golden Temple. And um, yeah, I was there for Seva. And so you could sit and be served. You could chop garlic and cook lentils. You could serve others. And it was amazing that just people come every day and it doesn't matter what side you're on, but you can show up and you can, you can help. And it's just, or you can receive it's, it's, it was really powerful. It was, um, it was a profound and, and a pro- profound learning experience for me. Definitely. I'm um, so glad that you got to get my home. is just a couple hours away from there. So oh my so gosh. You got a chance to go to the golden temple. It was really there lucky. Yeah. I think that um, Americans don't know enough about Sikhism. And I certainly didn't before I went. I was, you know, with a client, I was doing some blogging and photography for them. And um, so I, it was all eye-opening. And I just felt like, you know, my background is Jewish, but I felt welcome. I felt spiritual. I felt inspired um, by the guru, by, you know, being there. And it was just, it was amazing to be able to receive that even while having my own tradition. It's a, it's a really powerful religion. Yeah, you know, I tell people this. So we travel quite a bit um, worldwide too, and one of the big things that we'll do is, you know, we'll go to different, you know, temples and churches, and I think that's just an important part of trying to understand and appreciate a culture and, and history. And a lot of times, we'll end up at a Gurdwara, you know, in in Thailand or wherever, right? And what I tell people that a lot of people don't know is that no matter where you come from or who you are or what you have or don't have, you can go to a Gurdwara literally anywhere in the world. You won't be asked any questions, but you will be fed. Yes. Right. You'll be welcomed. Yes. You'll be, you'll find like a safe haven. And um, I think that's just really important. It's a really cool thing. Yeah. What a lesson for all of us, (laughs) you know. (laughs) So um, I want to actually turn a little bit, um, it's a little more serious, but from your TED talk as well, you told that chilling story about the boy on the bus when you were five years old who made a really terrible racist comment to you. And I love the way you said in your talk um, that somebody had decided to look at your skin and other you, um, which is so beautifully said. I just really stopped and and listened to that. And I, I... was listening in your talk about how you said that you realize now the boy had been neglected, but as a child, you were sad and angry. Um, So I have a big question based on this story, and I know there are no easy answers, but, you know, what have you found, and you're doing some of it in your work, that we can do to address such ignorance and hatred? You know, it comes from somewhere. It's instilled from a very young age. But what can we do now that we're adults and we're empowered to to do something to change that? So... Thank you for asking that question. I think one of the things that has been really motivating for me is thinking about 
that very question. Like, uh-huh. what can I do? And so I think the number one thing is thinking about where you're showing up in the world and what is within your sphere of influence that you can influence in a different kind of way. Mm-hmm. So one of the companies that I operate is called Story to Tell Books. And what we do through Story to Tell Books is we put out books that really feature positive images of children of color. Okay. And I mention that because one of the things is being able to make sure that all children are getting to see representation at a very young age. Yeah. Right now, children of color make up more than 50% of our school age children and oh. are represented in less than 14% of books. Wow. Which is problematic on a l- number of different levels. But I think one of the big, you know, one of the big problems is just they're not being represented. In. And so when you ask the reading teacher, okay, what gets the kid excited about reading? They're going to say, well, you help them find themselves in a book. So, sure. you know, we're eliminating them from the conversation. So that's a really big problem. I think the other problem is that we reinforce this idea of what is normal and what um, is to be celebrated, right? And and so when children who are not children of color never see a book with children of color in it, they think that that's the normal, yeah, right? And yeah. so the only way that you change minds is I think by changing people's experiences and giving them opportunity to even kind of reflect and be empathetic. And what a beautiful way to do it as adults um, by being able to just show our children that there are so many different places in the world and so many different things that make us beautiful as human beings and exposing them at a very young age. Yeah. Well, it's funny because, I mean, saying what you said earlier about going to different temples and churches and having experiences in, in other people's cultures and communities is a really important experience because not only do you build reverence and respect for other ways of doing things, but you also see the similarities that exist between all people, all faiths, all communities. And I think until you see that, you don't realize that it's there. It's just so important to to share that, you know, um, We have a program here in Detroit um, where kids, it's called Religious Diversity Journeys, and seventh graders um, from a lot of different backgrounds visit faith communities throughout the year, and they they visit a Sikh Gurdwara, they visit a a Muslim um, worship space, they they visit a church and a synagogue and um, a Hindu temple, and, and they talk about the Holocaust, and it's so profound because they're at that age where they're trying to figure out who they are, and they see that there's similarity with others, but also respect for different ways of doing things, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, there's, you know, you can't assume that somebody is going to appreciate or understand or want to even know anything about somebody else if they don't get the opportunity. And right. so create those opportunities is wonderful. So I know that you consider it your mission to build bridges. And I wonder when that first occurred to you that that's sort of like your path, your, your sort of purpose. And then how do you do that? How do you build these bridges? Yeah. So, you know, the way that I define my purpose, um, so I I wrote a book called Purposeful Hustle. So Uh I talk in there a lot about, you know, how you find your purpose and why you write it down and, and how you test it and all of those things. But for me, the way that I define my purpose is to shift power to marginalized communities. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a couple of different things. There's not like one specific moment where I could say that was, you know, absolutely it. But I do think that it comes from like where your roots are. Okay. So part of the reason why I want to shift, you know, power to marginalized communities is because I, my parents came from these two marginalized communities and I, I watched them, right, go through all of these different struggles and all of these different things to get to the place where they could really thrive. And so how do you take the experiences that they've had and, 
and condense them down so it doesn't have to be that tough for other people who are trying to do something similar. So I think part of it just comes from my roots. I think the other part of it comes from like where, what I'm like really just passionate about. I love to see people thrive. I love it. I, you know, like when you can say like, I did a little teeny, teeny, teeny bit in that person's ability to do something else. Like how exciting is that? For sure. Um, And so just really taking a good, like, you know, uh, inventory of what is it that makes you excited, that gets you riled up, that you could do all day long. Right. And so just looking at your own skills and your own talents and, and that, and I think that those things together, um, are the things that allowed me to be able to see that that's what my purpose was. Yeah. Well, showing up and being human and being real with other people is, is the first step toward building a bridge. Cause you look across the table, you look in someone's eyes, you see their heartbeat like yours does, and you have to connect and you just see the, the likeness. I mean, you can't hate someone across the table from you, you know? No, no, you can't. <clears throat> so you can't. And, go ahead. Oh no. I was just going to say, I think all work in this space begins with people making that human connection. Yes. So uh, you mentioned your books. I'd like to hear about them. Tell us a little bit about each of them. So let's start with The Purposeful Hustle. Tell me, you know, what's the focus? How did it come to be? And, you know, how's it impacting people? And then I'd like to hear about your children's books too. Sure. So Purposeful Hustle really came to be because I had so many people who were reaching out and saying, I really want to make an impact in the world. I want to do something that's great. I want to leave a legacy. I want to be able to do something that's bigger than myself. And I found that to be incredibly inspiring. Mm -hmm. And I also realized that they were coming to me because they were really feeling challenged and they didn't know exactly how to bring those pieces together. And so the book really is meant to be a guidebook on how first the first half, like, How do you name your purpose? What does that even look like? Why is that important? How do you test it? Where do you go to to practice it, right? How do you know when you're in alignment or when you're not in alignment? So just really about this idea of of purpose and how that can help you stay focused Uh on what you want to do and, and what your impact can be. And then the second half of the book is really about hustle. And there I focus on four characteristics I think every purposeful hustler needs to have. And they are initiative, resiliency, curiosity, and courage. Mm -hmm. And I picked those because those were the ones that whenever anybody said like, oh, this is where I'm stuck. It seemed like at least if you did one of those, you could kind of get unstuck. So those are the ones I kept coming back to. Okay. Um, And so those are, that's why I focused on them. And and what I do in the book is give really concrete, like here's some actionable things and questions you can be asking yourself to get your, to get through these, these challenges. Awesome. Um, yeah, so that's Purposeful Hustle. Cool. And then you have two children's books. And tell me, what what are they called and what do they focus on? Yes. And actually, I'm so excited to tell you, we just released the third. Ooh, so congratulations. Three children's Yay. books, yes. Uh, <laughs> the first two are called I'm a Girl of Color and I'm a Boy of Color. Okay. And they're really about like positive affirmations about children of color. Okay. Um, and so you see in the books, children of all different colors are featured and it really is about, you know, having this idea of like, these are positive things about me and who I am. Uh-huh. And that was really the focus of those two books. Okay. The, sec- the third book that we just released is called Cloth Crown. Okay. And that book is about, it's a, a narrative. So it's a story. And that book is really about a little boy who's getting bullied at school because he wears a barca, which is a, a turban uh-huh. um, that normally like uh, uh, sick boys wear. Uh-huh. Yep. And it's like they put their hair in a bun and, and they cover it. 
And so in the story, he's getting bullied at school. And so he comes home and he tells his parents that he wants to cut his hair because okay. he doesn't want to wear the butt guy anymore. Sure. And then his father just tells him about when he first came to America, kind of what his experience was like, too, with his own hair and, and, and explains to him, like, why, you know, sick men wear turbans. And so there's this, like, a history historical sort of cultural component of it where it really just is hopefully teaching the people who are reading about children and adults the importance and significance of the turban sure um and the boy has to make a decision and so you watch him go through this and hear his own father's story and then decide decide what he wants to do wow wow that's great yeah yeah these are available on amazon where can people find them yes yes so they're available on any of the uh you know online portals that you might normally go to for purchasing books but you can also get them on deannasing.com okay what we do with the proceeds from the children's books is we actually put them into a foundation and my children who are seven and 11 years old Uh uh take the foundation's uh, money, right? The proceeds that, that go into there and they redistribute them to other organizations that are supporting positive images of children of color. Lovely. So it really is like a cyclical thing. We're really trying to make sure that we're uh, leveraging the power of people coming together and coming into the space and understanding the space sure. and trying to build up other organizations that are doing similar work. That's amazing. That is really great. Well, congratulations to you. These are such purposeful um, endeavors, and I am really excited for our listeners to be able to check them out and use them, you know, in their journeys as well. Um, you know, we share a dedication to purpose um, and helping people find it. This podcast is all about sharing stories of how people make meaning and find purpose in their work and life. And I know your work focuses on that as well. So I wonder what advice you might have for our listeners about how they can find their purpose and sort of develop that. So I think that a lot of times people will say, I have no idea what my purpose is. I don't even know where to start. <laughs> And what I always say to them is, I bet you it's just right there under the surface. I bet you if you spend a little bit of time doing some reflection, it will it will uh, present itself much faster than you might think. Hmm. And the reason why I believe that is because I do think that, you know, there are some things that are really unique about who we are as people. Like we talked about earlier, you know, your past, what your skills are, what you're passionate about, all these different things that make us who we are uniquely. Yeah. And when you pull all those things together and you kind of put them on the table and you look at them, you start to see some patterns. And so the questions that I would ask myself are, you know, what is it that I read about without having to, right? Mm -hmm. I just could read about it all the time or Mm -hmm. talk about it all the time. Mm -hmm. What are the things that get me really, really riled up? What are the things that make my heart sing and bring me a lot of joy? And how could I do things that would impact that space, but do it on the behalf of other people? Mm -hmm. Because I do think that purpose, someone asked me this the other day, and I I think that it's true that purpose is something that's bigger than you. Mm Mm-hmm. So as soon as you can find that thing that's like internally getting you all worked up and connect it to other people, I feel that's when you're on the right path. Awesome. You know, it's funny. I have this little um, journal. It's covered in corduroy from the 1970s that sits behind (laughs) my desk. Um, It tells you how old I am. But um, it was, you know, what I did when I was a kid. I would just write stories and skits and poems wherever I went. And um, I keep it near me now because it reminds me who I am at the core. And I think like you said, when you go back to your roots and you go back to your youngest, your youngest experiences really shape you and the things that you did because you just enjoyed them and you 
you weren't looking for a way to make money or looking for approval. You just did them. You know, I think that is who we are. Mm -hmm. And when we get rid of the clutter of being adults, we get back (laughs) to that. You know, I I just think that's, you're right. It's, it's really about simplifying and, and getting clear. Yeah. And once you do, like, it's so freeing. It's so freeing because I tell people you can use your purpose when people ask you things, you can use your purpose to say yes to things and no to things. Right. Right. It's not like you're just aimlessly going about it because you know, no, I'm trying to direct my energy towards doing this. Yeah. Yeah. It's wonderful. Well, Deanna Singh, it has been such a pleasure to speak with you today on the Make Meaning podcast. I can't thank you enough for being here. Well, thank you so much. And thanks for all that you're doing. And thank you to all your listeners too. Thanks for listening to the Make Meaning Podcast with Lynn Galadner. You can find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. If you like what you've heard here, join us over at makemeaning.org to discover how you can add more meaning to your life and work. And hey, if you like our conversations, please subscribe and share this episode with the meaningful people in your world.